meanwhile, um, we're going to go to first the book of First John, and um, we're going to start our dating sermon um, from the, the, the book of the Bible that we've been hanging out in for the past um, five weeks. And um, I really was kind of rushed last week, and so I had to, I had to wrap it up a bit quickly. I'll, I want to focus just on the last few verses um, of that chapter right, right there toward the end. Um, if we can pull up 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 um, through 16, this is going to provide some context for our dating talk today. And I feel kind of like, are you in the dark? Is she kind of in the dark? I don't dark? think I'm in the dark. Is she kind of like, she's a little bit darker. Scoot. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not spiritual light. That's just the location of the chairs is what that is. So let's try to get this right. I don't mind being in the dark. My fear is that my, you know, well, many lights. Yeah, well, it's, it's tougher for the online folks to see uh, your beautiful face. So we need to uh, see you. I think my face in the light. Mm. Like this. That there you go. <laughs> All right. First John chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We, talk, we did talk about that last week, the confidence that we can have in Jesus. Verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, right? Here it is. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that uh, if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Isn't that awesome? Uh, I've, uh, you know, that's, that's one of those scriptures where you, where you normally start shouting and, and spitting and um, get really fired up. Um, for those of us who grew up in church, we would. Like, that's, like, that's one of the ones where you, just have the, you add the uh-huh at the end of each statement. You know, it's, uh, uh, if we know that uh-huh, if he hears us, uh-huh, that whatever we, oh, I said whatever. Oh, touch five people and tell them whatever. Tell them, get ready, get ready, get ready. No, just kidding. I like Jake's. Jake's is good. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, this is one of those passages. I grew up in church, so this is one of the passages that, man, like, you skip the whole rest of 1 John chapter 5, and you land right here. Like, this is what it's all you get whatever you ask of him I mean you know like whatever you got to get some phlegm up in there so you get whatever you ask of him I mean that's really powerful stuff and usually folks end it right there like they don't read the next verse verse 16 this is almost a for instance of whatever this is like the for instance Verse 16 says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death you should pray and God will give them life. I love how uh, in our culture, whenever we hear God will give you whatever, we start like thinking about stuff for us, right? We start thinking about, man, well, that, that, you know, basically my imagination is the limit of God's power. I just need to imagine, you know, I need a new car, I need a better house, I need, you know, all the whatever. And so the, the, the whatever for us, we often just apply that just to us and to our world and to our needs and to our wants. But when John wants to give sort of a for instance, he says, like, for instance, if you see somebody else who's in trouble, you should pray for them and God will benefit them. It's amazing to me how, you know, like upside down our thinking is in compared to John. And this is because throughout the entire book of First John, John is talking about leaning on Jesus and loving on people. This is um, really the essence of alignment, that when we come into alignment with God, we begin to put faith in Jesus Christ. We begin to lean on Him for our daily needs, for our emotional needs, for our physical, spiritual needs. We begin to lean on Him for all of those things, and, and then we are free to really love people. We're free to really love people. And so, really today, as we talk about dating, 
um, this provides the context. Um, we, we believe in dating. Dating is good. Dating is whatever. But it, it is within the context and it is from the place of love. It must come from the place of love. It must come from the place of leaning on Jesus and loving people uh, in this way. That whenever you go to God to pray for whatever, you don't ask for stuff for yourself. You are looking at the needs of others and you're, you're trying to meet those needs. And so as we talk about dating, that's the, that's the context that, that we're talking about it in. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and just for these next few moments that we have to spend together with these these awesome folks who came out on Time Change Sunday. Um, I pray that uh, the espresso would kick in uh, and that people would, would, would wake up and um, <laughs> and that your spirit would, would speak to us. God, ultimately, we really need to hear from you. We don't need to hear from us. We need to hear from you. And so speak to each and every one of us who are in various walks of life. God, allow the word of God, Jesus Christ, to, to enter into our minds and to our hearts in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this sermon is uh, specifically, obviously, directed towards single people, a.k.a. people who are not married. Um, <laughs> so if, if you are married, you may find some of the dating information a little bit, you know. Helpful. Helpful. Because you can date me still. Well, that's, that's true. Is, is your mic on? I was. Oh, hey, Hello. <laughs> Uh, only do that when she starts rambling, and so, uh, just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, you will find it somewhat helpful, but honestly, the sermon is mostly for single folks, for folks who are dating, number one, um, for folks who are thinking about dating or desiring to date, um, and then uh, even for people who, who are not dating now, but sometime in the future you plan on dating, um, a.k.a. teenagers. Uh, <laughs> just a little, it's just, okay, never mind. Uh, so, yeah, if you're thinking about dating, someday would like to date, um, desiring dating, this is for you. It's also for people who have given up on dating. Um, I would love to see, here at City Chapel, uh, I, would, I, would, I would love to see some hope renewed um, in the process of relationship. Um, so many people have given up on dating. And, and, and you know, if, 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 if God has called you not to date, if he's spoken to you that you're going to remain single, um, then, that's, then that's great. Then you, you do that, you run with that. And um, we don't believe that singleness is brokenness. We believe that singleness is a part of God's plan. And um, actually... Yeah, a few months ago we talked on that, so go listen to the podcast on that one. But, um, but, but if you've just kind of given up, if you stopped dating because you have lost faith in, in, in the process, then we, we really hope that this sermon will encourage you and, and sort of enlighten you because so much of the reason why uh, we have brokenness is because of uh, uh, things that we believe that are simply not true. And so this sermon is for you. Now, this sermon is not for, um, let's see, this sermon is not for people who, who are how would you say it, um, like serial daters or uh, recreational daters or like you're, you, like you, you're, you're dating strictly for the fun of it. Like you're not interested in, in commitment or marriage at all. Um, you're not really interested in getting like, you know, you don't even give your real name anymore. It's just kind of like, you know, it's just, it's just names change, people change. And as soon as like people want to define the relationship, that's what defines it for you. Uh, you're out and you're done. And um, for those of you, like, I, I know I'm kind of being facetious, but I, we really don't judge you. Um, that's where you're at. And that's, 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 that's where you're at. <laughs> Stay away from my daughters, but that's where you're at, and it's all good. Uh, she's, she's pretty young right now, so it's all good. Uh, but, 
but honestly, though, um, I really do hope that this sermon would still speak to you. Number one, that you would take some good notes, um, tuck it in your back pocket, and someday when you're ready, maybe to start thinking about commitment and um, family and, 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 and some of those things, you know, whip it out and, and read over some of the stuff or go back to the podcast, bookmark the podcast and go back to it um, maybe like when you're 40 or, or <laughs> God forbid 30 maybe even, you know. So I, I, I just hope that it'll start to, to change your mindset because so often we choose that path, not because we think it's the best path, but because we think that it's the, like the least awful path. Um, because we've seen so many marriages that have just ended in, in heartache. We've seen so many, and we've been a part of so many dating scenarios that have not been good. They've been painful. And so we want to guard ourselves. And so we hope to confront really some lies that, 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 that we tend to believe about dating um, and that lead us into pain and really bring the truth of God's word into those, into those areas. And so maybe today, maybe you'll be a little bit more open um, to, uh, to thinking differently differently about, about, about dating. Does, 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 that, does that make sense? Does that sound good? Cool. Clear as mud? Nice. Okay. Well, um, really the first, the, the, the first lie and really the main lie that we want to talk about, the main myth that we want to talk about today is that, um, and this is something that, that we often think, and it is that uh, basically the goal of dating is to find a special someone who will complete me. Okay, so let's, let's all say that together. The goal of dating is to find a special someone who will complete me. That was like time change Sunday. All right, let's try it again. The goal of, oh, come on somebody, is to find that special someone who will complete me. So uh, we, we, we borrowed that from Jerry Maguire. Uh, you know, but there is a sense and there is a great belief, even in the church, that, that the goal of dating is to uh, get to know somebody and go out with somebody in order to find someone to complete you. And so I grabbed a whole bunch of, of, of uh, Facebook memes. Hopefully you guys haven't posted these this week because that would be kind of embarrassing. Um, I didn't grab them from any of your timelines, though. Uh, we just typed in love quotes and love and ideas of love. And so we have a few here um, that I thought maybe Ro could respond to. She doesn't even know what some of these are. I grabbed them. You, you, you had seen some, but I totally, you totally missed it. I had so much fun. I was just nice. laughing so much. Okay. I just, I just couldn't stop. Until two in the morning? Yeah, I just couldn't stop myself. So this one says, do, do you, oh, you, want, you want me, do you want me to, read, me to read, read or do you want to read? Lord, I can read it. No problem. So let me turn around. All right. Your smile is amazing. Thank you, honey. Mm. Your hugs are warming. Your hands are so protective. You're the perfect one. Mm. Aww. That's sweet. <laughs> this is just going to be a big love letter to Rowena. <laughs> okay. Did you want to say something about that one? No, no. I mean, one? The, the, those, those are just things that our culture says about dating. Yeah. I think that's pretty acceptable. I, I text in um, uh, love quotes to share with your boyfriend. This is what I did. So this is that's, the that's boyfriend what, got the perfect one. Yep, you're the. I am the perfect one. Wow. That's how that. That's how I that beg goes. to differ, but you know, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Like next Jesus, one. really? This is hard. You might have light. to stand up, babe. Oh, I don't want to stand up, love. What? Oh, I'm scared. My dress is gonna be see through. Oh Lord. Okay, we don't want that. <laughs> think it's about those things before we. I know we it's a fear. Get on stage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> This one says, I'll tell you, I'll read it. Okay, I'll respond. You respond. Lovely, read it. Love begins with a smile, grows with a kiss, and ends with a teardrop. 
Oh, ends with a teardrop. Why? Why does it do that? That's, That's because everybody's scared of breaking up, aren't they? Yep. Okay. Let's go Tragic. ahead. Go to the next one. Oh, no, hang on a sec. Okay. Uh, go. This go, is Billie Holiday. Right. Love is like a faucet. It turns off and on. Wow. That one's just tragic. Sit down for a second. I've got something to say about that one. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> not to sit down with this one. <laughs> um, the whole idea that love can turn on and off, it's, I, I just, I don't believe that love ever turns on and off without you choosing that, without you willing that, because mm. love is a moment by moment choice. Moment by moment, I choose to love Harry. Moment by moment, I choose to love my children. Moment by moment, I choose to love the Lord. Um, and if I choose not to, then it's a choice. It hasn't just, you know, I haven't just fallen out of love. Oh, I just don't. Could it be like anymore. a faucet in that you can, it can get warmer and colder? Oh. Come on, somebody. I'm taking it's it to like the next level. Fal- Billy didn't even know. Billy, she didn't. She had no, no. idea. What okay. All right. Next, next, next slide. Okay. Life isn't perfect, but every second with you is. Aww. Until you have children. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And That's then it's so all ridiculous. downhill on a big roller coaster. All right. Don't. Okay. Lauren, Lauren Conrad says, don't cry over someone who wouldn't cry over you. Oh, okay. I want to say something about this too. I think. Go for it. Yeah. I think sometimes, especially the ladies, um, can get hurt and a bit squished and a bit broken in relationships, and they might tend to get a little bit guarded. When I was <laughs> getting to know Harry, Harry and I, for anyone who doesn't know our story, I am so echoey in here. Can I not be so echoey nope. in here? No, that's the way it oh, is. Oh, that's the way it is. All right. This is what happens when you're a rock star, apparently. You hear yourself in your left, right ear. Um, so we were talking on the phone, and we had been talking online for two and a half years, and then we talked on the phone for three months, and we hadn't said that whole thing, oh, I think you're quite lovely. Um, you know, we kind of just like, we're talking on the phone for three hours a night. I mean, we're becoming best friends, but we haven't had that discussion. Oh, I don't make noises anymore. Lovely. They can't hear and, that. Okay. And um, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's the <laughs> internal thing that they get to hear about. And, um, and so I was going away to Costa Rica for a week. And so I said to him, oh, you know, I'm going to be out of touch. You're not going to be able to talk to me. And I'm inside my head going, you just watch how much you miss me. And, um, and so I was, I was gone. And then I went to New Zealand afterwards. And um, then he comes and he's like, well, you know, I think we should talk on the phone. I was like, oh boy, here it comes. Here comes the big conversation. So I sent him my phone number and he never called. And I was like, fine. I am not going online. Mm-mm, no, not going to be able to reach me. For those of you that don't know, we met online. Yeah. This is what she's talking about. Yeah, we yeah, weren't yeah. in the same town. We'd never not, even seen each other's not face. Not even in the same country we were, at that point. We were emailing back and forth. You got mail, AOL, like some of you have heard about that in, in, in documentaries of the 90s. That's what it was. That was as well. <laughs> that was us. And so I got a little bit feisty like this young lady and I said, fine, I'm not going online. You don't want to call me? It's fine. I wouldn't even go on there so you can beg my forgiveness. I'll just be stoic and alone in New Zealand. And so I, I, I waited for about three days and I didn't go online and then I finally logged in and there was all these messages from him. And <laughs> Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken me? Was one of them. And, um, really? And, yeah, did I quote Eli Eli you did, you did, you did. And so I felt a little bit sorry for him. That's so, so funny. <laughs> I am hilarious. I just realized this. You might be a preacher if. So I I messaged him and I said, oh, well, you know, you didn't call. He said, I called. You gave me the wrong number. I was like, oops. So I typed in one number wrong. So, so. Don't get all defensive, loves, okay? Just chill. Take a chill pill. Let God look after your heart. Okay. Love is... When you're sitting next to someone doing absolutely nothing and it means absolutely everything to you. Aww. 
until you get married. Then it's like, why are you always sitting around doing nothing? She <laughs> wash the dishes, take the trash out. It means absolutely nothing to me for you to sit and do nothing. Anyway, okay, sorry. <laughs> Love is so much better when you're not married. Maria. Maria had it's that tragic. one. It's tragic. It's tragic. I want us to celebrate that love is so much better when you are married. This one I thought was so interesting. She may be very mean to you, but you don't know how much you mean to her. Oh, you get to speak on that one. It's like, you know, go ahead and stay in the abusive relationship. It's all good. You mean a lot to her somewhere. <laughs> okay, let's keep, let's keep on. Let's keep on going. That's just, wow. Uh... Oh, yeah, this is classic. Love means never having to say you're sorry. That is one big fat lie, because I say sorry like 50 times a week. L yeah, like perfection means good. never having, like when you're Jesus, it means never having to say you're sorry. But love does not complete you. All right, go, let's go down to the next slide. Oh, yeah, I, I thought this was cute. A real boyfriend calls you for nothing. <laughs> No male calls you for nothing. That's ridiculous. Texts you all the time and wants to see you. Gets jealous and is overprotective and loves you, dot, dot, dot. And he may be a stalker. <laughs> yeah, serial killers do the same thing. This is, I, I've seen horror films, okay? I know what's up. Is there, are there any more? Are there any more? Oh, yeah, Robin Williams. Uh, the, the, the great late Robert Williams said, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. Different sentiments about love. And I think, obviously, we know that that's not coming from a, a good place for him. Uh, let's go to the next slide. True love means never having to explain your Star Wars references. I threw that one in there because that one's true. That one is true. <laughs> All the rest, I'm not sure about. But, <laughs> but these are all kind of thoughts from our culture that, that, that throw at us this idea of dating and romantic relationships. And I, and I think they, they all kind of contribute to that basic thought that, when, I, that when, I, when, I, when I'm dating the right person, that person will complete me. That that person will add something to my life that I didn't have before. And they'll fill in a blank. They'll fill in. And they will complete. There, there will be this completeness um, inside of me. And it starts, you know, obviously with, with really... Uh, a, a denigration of singleness. Like when you're single, you're, you're kind of broken, you're not complete, so you need somebody to make you complete. But then on, on the other side, it continues into dating and, and it ends up uh, adjusting what, what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for completeness. You're looking for somebody to call you for nothing uh, and to text you all the time and to apparently get jealous of other people. I don't understand why that's good, but... Yeah, it, it, it raises false expectations in your life of what this relationship is going to bring. It makes you think mm. that if this person is the right person for you, you'll never have another tear shed in your life. You'll never have to apologize for anything. He will always be um, giving you chocolate and jumping up and down and making you happy. You know, obviously that's the life I signed up for when I said I do. 
Yes, indeed. Well, and and many, many, many married people like they they bought into this lie. Many of the the married people that you know um, were influenced by culture and sitcoms and TV and music and and all all of culture is, is is reinforcing a lot of these stereotypes and a lot of these lies. And so a lot of them went out looking for somebody who was going to give something to them that they didn't have on their own. They went out looking for completeness in a person. And they found a person and they were like, wow, this person does in fact complete me, you know? They realized that, that they were missing this huge gap and they had, they didn't really have love necessarily. They had something called chemistry. And, um, you know, I was never good at chemistry, so I don't really understand it very much. But it's basically when you feel a special certain something, apparently sitting next to them doing nothing, you're going to feel some kind of chemistry. And so when there's chemistry, uh, suddenly, you know, you feel just euphoric about the person. Every, the, the person is perfect, and the person has now made your life complete and perfect. And the, the problem is, oftentimes, people then decide to get married based on chemistry and chemistry you know doesn't last because <laughs> two people who are terrible at relationship get mm, come into a long-term committed relationship based on not their relationship skills but chemistry and so uh, it doesn't take very long for the chemistry to start to die and to start to go away because the relationship issues within their, their, their marriage starts to eat away and kill the, the lovely chemistry that they had. Because it's, it's easy to look good, you know, if you have like three hours to get ready before, you know, b before he comes over to your house to pick you up for the date. But it's a little more difficult when you've been running around with two kids all day and, you know, he comes in the door. So you don't always like have the makeup on you don't always have your hair fixed perfectly and you don't always act like you would act under pressure uh, you know it's, it's uh, we had uh, <laughs> we, we had uh, we had the lovely the the lovely Cassie um, watching our kids for us mm. this past um, this past uh, Sunday because it was Rose birthday and so um, we had a few hours by herself uh, and then we had a few more hours with some friends getting some coffee and so she was watching the kids and so we said hey it'd be great if you could bring the kids on up to Austin on up to the hotel and she said okay well I'm about to leave and so I should be there you know in about 30 minutes or so and so we said great well then like 45 minutes later you know I, I was this was taking a little while and I was like are they okay is she all right so I so so I, so I called Cassie and she's like yeah we haven't quite got out of the door yet we've been we've been working on it <laughs> and uh, I said oh yes because when you have kids it's not as easy as just saying hey I'm going to like get up from my couch and walk to the door open the door and then close the door and get in your car it's not that easy right it's like People have to get shoes on, then they have to find shoes, and then they have, have to get to them on the right Always. feet multiple times. Yes. Multiple, like they pee once, and then when they pull their pants down again to change, to get their underwear on the right way, because yeah. it's backward, yeah. that's Micah, then all of a sudden he realizes he has to pee again. I'm like, wait, well, you just went. And so then they go pee again, and then, you know, then he doesn't want to wear those pants, and then you have to figure out how you're going to wear what, like what. And it's a, quite a process just to get out the door. Um, and that creates stress, and it often eats away at the yeah. chemistry and yeah and something we do if we come into a relationship with false expectations is we start saying this person is now my god this mm. person is now my source of happiness this person is now my source of completeness this person is now the one who will rescue me and save me when I'm down and um, lift me up and yeah. it's not right yeah and so what we would like to do is we would like to rearrange some thinking um, in dating 
The purpose of dating is not to find someone to receive love from. The purpose of dating is to find someone to love. Yeah. To give love to. Yeah. So like that, it's, it's, it's not an opportunity for you to get something. It's an opportunity for you to give something. So, but, but, but our culture is so jacked up. And, and so we wanted to talk a little bit more about um, some of the effects that happen whenever you are trying to receive something. Oftentimes, this is where you compromise and you let down your boundaries. Um, because you believe this other person is, 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 is what you don't have, um, this other person is the completion of you, then fear starts to take over. You don't want to lose the person. And so you operate not the way you would normally operate, you, and you have this great chemistry going on, and so you let go of all boundaries. And so just, just for clarity on dating, we wanted to bring up some Christian boundaries that we believe are applicable to Christians. If you're not a Christian, then this doesn't apply to you, but it does let you know kind of uh, what Christian Christianity has to offer. And if you are a Christian, then this, then we believe this does apply to you. That There are three different um, areas of boundaries uh, that we think that we ought to have in place in our life at all times, but especially when dating. And number one is a physical boundary. Come on, somebody. Uh, you got to have boundaries physically. Um, especially if you marry someone as hot as this one. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, really. I don't. Why well, especially? That means that when we were dating, ah, yes, uh, we dating. had to have really strict boundaries. Okay. I lived next door to him, and so he lived in one little shack, and I lived in another little shack. We worked for a ministry, and um, and so there would be times we had this rule. One of the rules, and I might be jumping ahead, sorry, but one of the rules no, was fine. that we were not allowed to lay down together because once you start getting horizontal things, you know, naughty things start happening. So we had a rule that we weren't allowed to lie down together. And so, but sometimes we just wanted to snuggle. And so we had got a hammock. And if anybody knows those tricky string hammocks, I tell you, you move a toe and you fall out. So we would That's both true. hop into this hammock and then you'd have to lay really still because you couldn't move it like a, a nail um, without falling out. And that's how we would... Um, yeah, we put the hammock out like by it was the street. Out in the front yard. It was right out by the street. <laughs> Hello, people. <laughs> cars are going by, you know. And so yeah, we would lay on the hammock, but there was no, no touchy. We no, had no, we had no coordination <laughs> to do anything no, more. No, so no. it was its own boundary. <laughs> if you are coordinated, we, that might not. If work you come for you. to us for counseling and dating, we'll give you a hammock. Yeah. It's helpful. It is. It, it was very really, helpful. It really, yeah, yeah, and you know. Um, uh, and also an accountability partner is really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, so I called up my friend who's now one of our overseers of the church. And I said, look, here's some questions you need to ask me like each week. And so that way we knew that if we got into trouble that I would have to, you know, tell, tell my friend everything that happened um, unless I wanted to lie and go to hell. So I <laughs> didn't want to do that. So uh, <laughs> it's... That's where liars go. Come on, somebody. I preach the truth. Shame the devil. Um, so I didn't want to do that. And so, yeah, we, we, got, we got really uh, the, the, that accountability partner, which I had never had in my life until then. Um, I'd always been just a strong Christian, never really felt the need for one um, until we began um, coming into close proximity and dating. Um, because, you know, there is, uh, there's obviously these, these, these romantic feelings that that develop. And so we don't want like to tell you that that's not Christian and it's not okay. It's actually good. It's good. If you're not sexually attracted to the person you're dating, you might want to rethink that. Um, cuz just that that's not normal. 
It's not like you, you God created uh, sexual attraction. So so there there's going to be romantic feelings. There's going to be, you know, staring into each other's eyes. There's going there's going to be all of that kind of thing. In fact, if it wasn't for that, I don't think guys like would leave their mom's couch. You know, like God knew we needed a little something to get us uh, away from the Xbox and, uh, you know, start start uh, hanging out with members of the opposite sex. So God uses that. But at the same time, there's there's definite boundaries that God puts around sexuality. And I know our culture like has has totally flipped this on its head so that's why we want to share this with you because oftentimes we're counseling folks and they tell us stuff and we're like well didn't you know that like I thought you knew and so the, I, what I'm finding is that common sense isn't that common anymore and so we wanted to cover all the bases as much as we possibly can just let you know that scripture teaches that that sex outside of marriage is is damaging to you and it's not good for you. Uh, we have a scripture, 1 Thessalonians, just one of many, that says that it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that means set apart for God, and that you should avoid um, sexual immorality. That's kind of, it sounds like a really loose term, but really it means to give yourself away, uh, oftentimes meaning to give yourself away too early. Uh, so it's oftentimes talking about pre-marital sex. Uh, you, you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans, uh, who who don't know God, and, and that in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. So what he's saying here is that is that whenever we uh, let down that boundary, we're really hurting other people. We're hurting other people. We think we're expressing love. We think we're we're doing that, but really it's it's damaging that that other person. Um, and I, I think it's so interesting that our that that in our culture we've really taken sex and we we have we have made it as something that is just um, casual. It's just this this fun activity that two adults can do together. Uh, it brings them closer together. You know, it's and it's really no big deal. You don't even really have to be in love necessarily. I mean, just spring break, you meet somebody, and you know, and, and that's that's perfectly fine because it's an enjoyable thing for you to do. It's healthy, blah blah blah. But what's kind of funny about that is that it's actually we we kind of talk with forked tongue. Uh, we talk out of both sides of the of our mouth whenever we talk about the the cavalierness. I don't know if that's a word of of sex because on the one hand it's just this fun activity and on the other hand you know if you if you if you have this fun activity with somebody who doesn't want to have this fun activity you go to jail that doesn't happen with like other fun activities <laughs> you know what I mean like nobody's tried for multiple counts of, of making somebody play volleyball you know or, or badminton or like these other fun activities are just that. And if you make somebody do it, then you're a jerk, but you don't, it's not criminal. And at the same time, the victims of these kinds of crimes, oftentimes it affects like every area of their life. And so if they've, if they've gone through that, and we have people in our church who have gone through that, you know, it's not just, it's not the, it's not the same thing as, you know, somebody simply forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. It affects every aspect of your, of your identity. And, and, and in fact, we, we, we know that kids who are exposed to this fun activity too early and in, and in, and in wrong ways, it affects the way that they, the way they view themselves right on through their life. And they have, they have counseling. And I mean, the Holy Spirit can change and can do things and can, and can bring healing. But typically, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to bring healing to something that's so casual. If it's so light, if it's so casual, then why does it have such a profound impact? And why is it such a big reason why couples break up, you know? We haven't had that fun activity in two months. You must not love me, you know? Like, 
No other fun activities are at the center of such argument and such hate and such vitriol. These, these, these things come from a place of identity. They come from a place of, of security and love. And, so, and so, so on the one hand, our culture says, oh, it's nothing, it's just casual. But on the other hand, we recognize this is powerful stuff. And it's, and it's powerful. And it's so funny that, that, that like in our culture, we really value sex outside of marriage. So it's very sexy. It's very romantic to be, you know, to be a bachelor. But once you're married, then it's, then, you know, then it's boring. Nobody wants to hear about that. Nobody, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just the same old boring, you know, thing over and over and over again. And, 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 and that's, that's what our culture does. And in, interestingly enough, I think that's exactly what the enemy of our soul tries to tell us. That uh, before sex, man, or before marriage, man, you just gotta, you, you just gotta embrace the moment. You gotta go with the chemistry. It's just all this amazing thing. Let down all your guards and just, just express yourself in that way. But after you get married, the enemy switches his tactics, and it's no longer, oh, you just gotta go have sex with your wife. <laughs> That's not the great temptation of your life anymore. And so, and so the enemy switches his tactics and says, well, you know, yeah, you just, you, re you really just need to just you need to get, you know, get real busy in work. You need to get involved in this and in that and the other. And, 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 and suddenly the enemy's tactics change. And, and it's interesting, I think, that our culture views sex in the same way. And that's what is damaging us. It is, it is killing us because it's affecting, we're letting down physical boundaries and it's affecting us spiritually. And so we want to save you from that. We want to save you from, 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 uh, from dealing with such a powerful thing at the wrong time and in the wrong place. Because God does say that sex is great. Sex is awesome. Sex is awesome in marriage. And I would like to see a flip of that. I would like to see um, a glorification of sex in marriage. Where, 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 because when I grew up, like we never talked about sex in church, and so we didn't talk about these physical boundaries in dating, and so it was kind of left up to, in many ways, what whatever people felt. Now, luckily, my parents talked to me about this stuff, but um, some of you have never had anybody share that with you, and you just need to know that um, that it's very important that sex stays within marriage. And and some people say, well, you know, you got you got to try the try the car out before Something you like buy that. it, like test drive it. Yeah. Um, which is also interesting um, because that's not really love. Like when we came together, we decided that we loved each other, not each other's performance. So she didn't have to perform for me in order for me to test her against the other cars that I've driven, which I hadn't driven any other cars. <laughs> for those of you that know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to test drive a bunch of cars to see which one performed best and then decide to love that one. Mm. That's not love. We decided that it didn't matter how, we, we didn't know how each other performed at all. We had no clue and that didn't matter because our performance, our, our love isn't so conditional that it's based on our performance. Our love is, I love you, not just what you do, but I, I love you as a person. And so by marrying you, this is my opportunity. And by dating you, this is my opportunity to get to know you and to love you and to get to love you more until we get to the place where we just, where we just, have, to, just have to get married um, because I want to love you forever. Uh, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about dating. So stop, like, yeah, stop the comparison thing. And um, the other boundary that we often let down is emotional. And um, I think for women, 
Yeah, Rogue women especially. Um, I think you have two different types that you drop that emotional boundary. One, you just fall in love with them after you've met them for two minutes. Oh, I love you and I'm going to marry you. And the poor boys. But, um, right, and Chris, Christians can do that too, where they, they, they feel like God told them. Yeah. Oh, I had that. Oh, I had and a boy tell been, me that God had told me he, I was going to marry him. I was like, well, he didn't tell me. He was back off until he tells me, huh? It wasn't you, honey. It wasn't no, you. It was no, I one. would not say that. No, you wouldn't. So I think we can let down our emotional boundaries by one, jumping in too fast and giving our whole heart and being mm. absolutely crushed if it's not reciprocated or if it breaks up. But the other way we can um, let down emotional boundaries is, is getting really hard-hearted mm. and not um, being open to someone being loving and um, not being tender-hearted with them. Yes. And, um, and so, and so there, there are a lot of emotions in dating and we think you ought to let those emotions um, flourish including the emotion of attraction yeah. you know um that, that's not something that needs to be squashed it's not something that's evil or wrong um to be attracted to the other person that's not bad let that like look into each other's eyes uh, you know hold hands kiss occasionally watch your hands um you know go ahead like 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 let let the emotions in the car of your life just don't let them in the driver's seat I think it's what Bishop T. Bear was telling me, Bishop Jake said, fear it can come in the car, uh, but it can't get in the driver's seat. Passion can come in the car, but it can't get in the driver's seat. It can't choose your direction. You can't make decisions based on how you feel because we're all feeling things. We're all feeling, hopefully, if you're not feeling anything, you're probably dead. Um, and I, <laughs> I told that to Madden the other day because uh, uh, she was kind of picking at her brother and trying to argue and stuff. And I said, Madden, how, you know, what are you feeling that's making you, you know, act like this? And she said, nothing. It's a classic women response. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I, I live long enough to know nothing does not mean nothing. By the way, guys, it's not a clue for you to say, oh, okay, we're good. Um, like, no, I said, no, honey, like you're feeling something. You have to be feeling something or you're dead. We're always feeling something. You're either happy, relaxed, sad, mad, angry. I mean, all, like, there's a lot of, you know, you're feeling jealous, envy. There's a lot of feelings. Let's talk about them. And she wasn't feeling anything until we started talking about something that her brother had done to her like five minutes earlier. And she started, tears started coming down her face. And I said, why are you crying over that? And she's like, because I'm so mad. And I said, ah. I said, so five minutes ago, you were lying to me then when you said you weren't feeling anything. Just point that out. And you're going to feel like feelings are a part of life and good. Embrace them, but don't let them drive. When you let down your boundary, it's like you slide over and you let feelings get in the driver's seat and you make decisions based on how you feel. That's some of the worst decisions you're ever going to make. Yeah. It's going to come out of your feelings. When I was getting to know Harry, um, I was in Colorado and he was in... Idaho, Idaho, I always Louisiana. get Louisiana. No, you were somewhere else when I was first getting to know you. Oh, Ohio. Thank you. I always get Ohio and Idaho oh. and Iowa muddled completely. Can't keep them straight. So anyway, he was over there, and um, we were starting to get to know each other. And so I had decided to grab a woman in the church that I really trusted. She was a counselor, and I said to her, "Look, I need to meet with you weekly, and I'm keeping a journal of what I see as potential red flags that wouldn't be a good thing if we were to move on to another level." And so, poor Harry, he found this book after we got married. She like, wrote all the negative things this? in a book. <laughs> Listed them out. 
I was being analytical and I wasn't letting my feelings lead. I was, you know, come on, I was checking it out. So every week I'd meet with her and I'd say, okay, you know, so I've noticed this about me or him. Do you think that this would be a problem in our relationship? And I was just working through things to figure out if we would be a good fit or not. Yeah, that's good. It's good. And it's good to have counsel too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't date alone without somebody who's outside of your girlfriend, boyfriend, <laughs> giving you some counsel. Because when chemistry takes over, your emotions start taking over and uh, you make really dumb decisions. <laughs> it's just really dumb. You need somebody who's not, who's not like, you know, falling head over heels for the person to look into your life and say, hey, this is what I see. And so I, I did respect that. You, but you kept the book like long afterward. I think we still have the book out. It not? was not necessary. Anyway, <laughs> and the final step of boundaries would be spiritual. And this is something where um, if you are a Christian, um, you need to ma maintain, um, you may need to maintain the, the fact that your headship comes from Jesus. Your leadership comes from Jesus. Your hearing comes from Jesus. And so many times what happens in a dating relationship is, is people let down that boundary and they allow the person they're dating to, to really almost become God, but not, they would never say that, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like God takes a backseat to what that person is saying and wanting and needing from them. And what that does is it, is it removes God from speaking to you. You no longer seek to hear from God. You really seek to hear from this person um, that you're dating. And, and what happens is um, that person then takes the place of, of God in your life. And so even, even with regard to should, you know, should I continue dating this person? So many times people don't actually seek God's voice. They just seek whether or not it's going to work out or not. Like basically if she doesn't break up with me, then I guess it's God, you know. Or if I don't get in a car wreck on my way to the date, I guess it must be God. You know, it's like God's just going to like remove, like pick you up and like stop you from, he's not going to do that. God's going to let you make decisions and choices. These are, these are, these are your choices. This is your life. God's not going to come in and like remove you from the situation. It's your choice to seek him and to know him and to know his will in every situation. Also spiritually from, from a guy's standpoint, I think, um, the sexual thing is also very important. Um, whenever we talk about uh, sexual immorality, we often talk about physical acts of, um, of, of sex. But Jesus came and redefined that for us. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her. In other words, you can commit adultery across the room. So, so, so it's not just a, an eye, it's not, it's not just a hand and a, and a body issue, it's a heart issue that God is really interested in. Where's your heart? And so guard your heart, guard your heart. Don't, don't, don't guard it from loving somebody else, but guard it from being given over to somebody else. Make sure it stays in the hand of God <laughs> while you date another person. Make sure you don't, you don't, you don't transport it from God to this other person because nobody else can bear the weight of your faith, of your peace of mind, of your strength, of your, of your, uh, of the stuff that God can give you. Nobody else can give you that. And if you're looking for people for that, you're going to be disappointed every single time. And you're going to put way too much pressure on them and they're going to let you down and you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt them. You're not going to love them. You're going to be looking for something from them and they're not going to be able to give it to you. It's just, they don't have it. If they had it, they probably would, but they just don't have it. Only God 
has that. 1 Corinthians 13 is, is the famous love chapter, and uh, I just wanted to read a few verses from that as we wrap up here. Because when, when talking about, you know, how do, I, how, do I, how do I seek to love someone? What does that look like? What does it look like to say that I'm not seeking to receive love, I'm seeking to give love? What does that look like? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 explains to us. And of course, God is love. So God is the, the perfect um, example of all of these. But chapter 13 verse 4 says, first of all, love is patient. Love is patient. In other words, love doesn't push you to do things that you don't want to do. Love doesn't, love, love doesn't uh, have a problem with waiting. <laughs> love waits with a good attitude is what we would tell our kids. So it's not just waiting, it's waiting with a good attitude, um, which means you're not all grumpy. Love is patient. Love is kind. Another word for kind I think would be considerate. Love thinks about other people before thinking about themselves. So that one, that one meme about she's mean to you, but you don't know how much you mean to her. That's ridiculous. You don't mean as much to her as she means to her. So that's not good if she's not kind. If the person you're dating is not kind, you need to dump them and find somebody who is kind. And not only that, but you need to be somebody who is kind. And what I've found is that, is that there is, a, there is a, a law of sowing and reaping. And when you're kind to others, Oftentimes people are kind back to you. And I was, I was talking with, with Emilio this past week and, and he was saying, well, what about people who don't reciprocate? What about people who, what about people who, bless you. What about people who don't, who don't, who don't love you back? People that you love, especially as you're pastoring people, there are, there are people that, that just don't, don't want to be pastored. And I say that's fine, but most of the time what I've found is that as I love people, I've never been unloved when I'm loving people. I've been unloved when I'm being selfish. I've been lonely when I'm being selfish, when I'm thinking about myself. But I've never been unloved when I'm loving on other people. And the same is true in, G in Jesus' case. Jesus loved us, and now look, we got a theater full of people who love him. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a law of reciprocity. And so love is patient, love is kind, and it cultivates that kind of culture. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love doesn't practice one-upmanship. Love, love, love is okay with you succeeding. Love is okay with you succeeding more than me. Love is okay with you getting more compliments than me. Love is all right because love is not jealous. Love, love, doesn't, love doesn't want what you have. Love is happy for you to have what you have. In fact, love wants you to have more because love is not boastful. Love isn't trying to, 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 to say how awesome I am. And uh, in dates, a lot of times, that's what can kind of go down. It's like you tell her how awesome you are, she tells you how awesome she is, and then you get back to how awesome you are. And that's not what love is. That's, that's what self, you're, you're looking for affirmation. You're looking for something from somebody. And so yeah, you're gonna be boastful. But no, no, love is not boastful. Love is not boastful, love is not proud. It does not demand its own way. I'm talking to our kids about that a lot lately, so I'll just leave it at that. It keeps no record of being wronged. Keeps no record of being wronged. And I'm just gonna close with this because I think it's one of the most powerful ones. It keeps no record of being wronged. In other words, it forgives. I was talking to um, Madden yesterday with that whole scenario 
Uh, Micah had done something to her that was that was not nice. You know, he was chewing with his mouth open in her face and grossing her out. Anyway, he was intentionally annoying her. Sometimes little brothers can do that. He was intentionally annoying her, and that's not right. It's just, it's just not. It's not nice. It's not kind. It's not thoughtful. All that kind of stuff. And Micah's there in the room, so we're talking about how this is not nice. But Madden, like, from the time that he started doing that, she began engaging him in little arguments, right? So she's picking at him and just trying to argue everything. And so I talked to her and I said, honey, like, it's true. What he did was not nice. But what you've been doing is you've been trying to make him pay. Ever since he did that, you've been trying to make him pay for what he did. And I said, you know what's, what's, what's wrong with that? Why, why is it wrong trying to make other people pay for what they've done? She said, I don't know. I said, well, because what did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He paid for the wrong that Micah did. And if you try to make other people pay, you're basically saying we don't need Jesus. Because I'm going to execute righteousness and judgment. I'm going to make sure these people pay. I'm going to keep track of what they do. And, and, and really, all of this comes out of the heart. All of love comes out of the heart. It all comes out of in here. Jesus said that out of the heart comes, and he gave a whole list. One of the things was bitterness. So the kids said, what's bitterness? And I said, well, what's something that you don't like to eat? And they both said tomatoes, like same time. I was not influenced by me at all, <laughs> but I don't blame them. And so I said, okay, just imagine you're biting into a big juicy tomato and like all the juices are going around your mouth and they're like, oh, gross. You know, it's going to make your face scrunch up. You're going to turn to you know, turn your stomach. You What, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to spit it out. Because you want that taste out of your mouth. It's not good. Exactly. It's bitter. It's not good. But bitterness is where you take that, 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 that taste and you don't spit it out. You just keep swirling it around in your mouth of what that person did to you. And you, you keep thinking about, and in your mind, you keep swirling around the bitterness of that feeling of that moment when they did what they shouldn't have done and it wasn't right and it wasn't fair and blah, blah, blah. And you just keep rolling it over and it affects then how you treat them because you you have a nasty taste in your mouth. You got you got tomatoes all up in your <laughs> seeds between your teeth and junk. You know, it's all like it's it's tasting awful, and so your attitude is awful, and so everything is awful, and and you don't let go. You don't forgive people. This is this is this is a matter of the heart. And you say, well, well, this doesn't sound like a really exciting dating relationship. You know, this doesn't sound great. You know, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, pick up a girl and she's going to be patient with you and you're going to be kind to her. And, you know, no, no one's going to be jealous or boastful. We're just going to compliment each other and, you know, and say, oh, it's so great. No one's going to demand their own way. What restaurant do you want to go to? I don't know. What restaurant do you want to go to? And, and, you know, we're not going to keep track of any wrong that we've done. And for some of you, you think this is really boring. Um, and perhaps it is. That's why we're not on a reality TV show. Because <laughs> they wouldn't want to come to my house. There would be no drama. There would be no tables turning over. There would be no, you know, nobody blowing up over stuff. It's just the same awesome life day after day after day. That's why it doesn't get any airtime. That's why our culture doesn't say, hey, check this out. Because it's not interesting. It's just awesome just all the time and I said, well that's boring and so so it's not interesting and our culture loves things that are crazy and interesting and so we try to spike it up and 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 but 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 I want you to know that what you see in reality TV does not make for good reality and I know that for some of you you say well this this Christian dating thing seems really hard true uh, from one aspect but don't you think that maybe if your parents would have been a little more loving 
Don't you think maybe if your dad was a little less jealous? Don't you think if maybe the relationships you've known and you've seen, if they were a little more like this, don't you think it would have been a little bit better? If it would have saved some pain, some, some heartache, some turmoil, some, some regret? If you were a little more like this, I, I guarantee you it would. And so I want you to believe that it's possible. That this kind of relationship is possible. You don't have to be Superman or superhuman or super Christian. You just simply have to submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to teach you how to love other people. And as you do that, as you become the best forgiver, the best kindness person, the best patience, or as you become, as you become these things, then you begin to understand what it is to walk in this relationship. And, and that comes from Jesus coming into your heart. And so every single Sunday, we want to give you an opportunity to receive the love of God and allow Him to start changing your heart. So let's bow our heads for just a moment and we're getting ready to close. But we're going to bow our heads, we're going to pray for just a moment and welcome, I, I just welcome you to receive this love and to receive this God who can change your heart and make you selfless. And if you'd like to receive the love of God today, I want you to raise your hand and just say, that's me, you're speaking to me and I, I need that and I'm gonna receive that. And I'm just 